5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com And welcome to God Stories Radio. This is session 47. I'm Mike. I'm Fritz. And I'm Trish. And Trish, how was your week this week? My week was awesome. Great. Awesome. My how daughter, awesome was it, Trish? She had um, an MRI because um, she has something called ataxia, and they were concerned about her possibly having a cyst or a tumor on her brain, mm-hmm. and it came back negative. Okay. Awesome. Ooh, Great. It's like dodging a bullet, brother. I love it. <laughs> cool. And Fritz, what about your week? Oh, you were just, you couldn't wait to ask I me, could. could you? I gave my testimony this week at Real Men, and the, I think I'm going to call it the A to Z. I couldn't really think of a better title, except maybe that I'm sounds tired. good. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I was tired. Yeah, we already got. I'm tired. So I'm retired. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> More tired. Still tired. I tell you, uh, you know, coming off of, of CR, jacked up for two weeks over that, and then coming back from this, man, I I just haven't even been able to sleep good. Yeah, every time you tell your testimony, it's just like wow. Well, and it gets better and better. It's like honing a skill. Mm-hmm. It is. And didn't something happen afterwards, the guy that got baptized? Oh, <gasps> we had a brand new guy that came up and gave me a hug and said, Fritz, your testimony really touched me, and he was tapping his heart like that. And he said, just a couple months ago, I was there. Wow. I was exactly tired. You were. I actually said those words. He said, I, I couldn't believe it when you said those words. And I said, well, we know those words. We sure do. There's a room full of us that have been tired. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Man, I can't wait to intro our guest. Go for it. Go for it? Go for it. Well, I don't know Doc's last name. That's we just know I him do, by Doc. We just know him by Doc. And if you remember session, I want to say from War to Jesus. 13, I think it 13, was. 13, session 13 with Sarge. He came with Sarge, and he introed him. As his, as his doc. As his doctor and certified him. So we actually really know he's crazy now. <laughs> but we love him. We wouldn't trade him for a new car. Not doc, but Sarge. <laughs> yeah, Sarge, Sarge is here. To, trade me for a new car either. <laughs> Sarge is here tonight, and he's shaking just as bad as he was when he was giving his test. You don't have to talk tonight, Sarge. Okay. Just enjoy your coffee. Amen. So, Doc, we have been trying to horsewaggle you for weeks. Yeah, we heard that you had been a little under the weather, and we are so happy to have you tonight. We just can't stand it. We were just talking off air, and we were going and going and going, and we finally said, you know, we probably ought to hit the record button at some point tonight. So, Others might want to hear this. Others may want to hear, Doc. Doc, we're going to let you take it away. I just don't want to chew up any more time. Give us the Doc A to Z. We're just happy to have you. Yeah, and tell them what kind of Doc you are, too, that we should clarify. 
Well, I'm a certified uh, Christian psychologist, and I put the emphasis on Christian because the Bible is my, my basic uh, textbook. And Amen. if it doesn't agree with the Bible, I don't think there's much use in using it, <clears throat> although there Amen. are some things that the world uses that uh, aren't in the Bible. For instance, it doesn't tell you how to eat with a spoon or a fork or a knife and so forth. It gives you some reference to put a knife to your throat, but you know, it doesn't tell you how to eat with one. And doesn't how to tell you, tell you several things that uh, we can do. And so man has come up with some ideas to do things, and some of them are pretty good. But if it doesn't uh, have the uh, same basic truths or capability of healing people, then it's not worth uh, taking your time to try to use it. So I've been fortunate enough to uh, study both sides of this, and uh, the Lord has blessed me, and we've been very successful. We have a uh, counseling uh, office, and, and we just burnt, went. In fact, we just moved into a brand new one, so we're broke again for a long time uh, <laughs> in Groveland, Florida, in 611 South Main. Uh, so, if anybody wants to drop by and see where we were at, which was next door, a little bitty house, uh, we had uh, hardly any room for five counselors to be in, but the Lord's blessed. And what's sh- the name of it? It's uh, GFC Counseling in Groveland. Uh, Groveland Family Counseling is actually the full name is Groveland Crisis and Family Counseling. And we share the building with an organization that I recently resigned from the presidency of called FACT, Florida Association of Christian Counselors and Therapists. We're the only licensing organization that I know of in the United States that's been recognized and been accepted uh, by insurance companies and by the uh, courts and uh, other organizations. The uh, the legal system in Florida sends us uh, various and sundry type of people who have uh, Ill- need for our services. We have domestic violence. We have uh, marriage and family therapy. We have anger management and batter's intervention and several things like that. And we also have sex offender therapy for, uh, we work with the Department of Corrections on that and, and treatment. So we've got a wide range of uh, therapies in our office. So if you've got ADHD or whatever, or something like that, those are the things we've been treating over the years. And we have five people. And the thing about our organization, it's a faith-based group. And what we thank God for is that, that we've been honored by these organizations and all the court systems uh, that we've been to. We've been recognized as an expert. And we do not carry a Florida license, which is a great thing. Uh, we were exempt from that, and we t- showed that uh, Christian counselors had the same abilities or better than most of the secular people because 8% of the people who go to secular counseling uh, it seems like they get healed in some way or another, but about 85% of those that come to Christian counseling find some tremendous relief or total healing for their uh, things. We realize there are people who have serious illnesses, schizophrenia and so forth, and those are uh, a whole different ball game for uh, you know the basic things that people go through. But uh, the Lord has given us a gift to understand both sides of the picture and what works and what doesn't work. And we are... Uh, uh, we've been doing this as, as PhD since 1990, and uh, we've had a lot of court cases, and God has blessed us by letting, allowing us, I call winning the case. In other words, we represented the right side that won, and the judges always took our view and our point, and we, we have some of the greatest judges in Florida that uh, that you'll, uh, you'll ever want to meet. Some people might not think so, but there's quite a few. I can't, of course, name them, but they're right here in Lake County and other counties throughout the state. I have the privilege of taking on a case that uh, in North Carolina on the 24th, I I wish to have your prayers about that, 
if I had that case right now, I mean, when I first started, I would never go into psychology. Uh, it is the, probably the most complicated uh, case that I have ever had. And it's a case where um, the mother who has bipolar is representing herself. And so I've never had that. I don't mind taking on lawyers or other doctors or anybody in court. But I need your prayers for this because it's hard to tell somebody the things that are wrong with them when they want their children back and are representing themselves like that. It's it's going to be hard, so I want the grace of God to be able to say to her that she's not qualified to take her children home with her, her husband is. And that's going to be a hard thing to do mm-hmm. because of, uh, of that situation. So it'll probably be my last case unless the Lord does something to change my direction. So he just told me to shoot. I'd like to... T- <laughs> I like to tell jokes sometime when I get started, and uh, I'll tell you why. That uh, uh, I've I've been had a, a very good life with the Lord. A lot of things have happened with me, and uh, I find humor is is uh, uh, pretty good uh, to start things out with. But tonight, I thought maybe we just go and speed through this a little bit and tell what the Lord has done in my life because I think there's a lot of people out there uh, that will probably get something from it. I was born in the United States Naval Hospital in Portsmouth, Virginia. And uh, I was born just a few years ago at a date called 1938. Mm. That was before the Second World War started. So I uh, was raised a military brat. My father was in the Navy. He was an enlisted man. And before he got out, he came became an officer. And uh, and, and as a side note to that, uh, my father served with Admiral Nimitz, the fleet admiral for the Seventh Fleet of the United States Navy and the Sp- Pacific Coast. And the, all the military people that have been in the Navy know who that was. He was the commanding officer of the whole thing, most respected man. And uh, my dad was his radio man, and uh, he was on his flagship. And, and then years later, uh, Admiral Nimitz became my patient for a short time in San Diego, California Naval Hospital. He had diabetes, and at the time we didn't know what to do, so we took both of his legs off. He was already fairly short, but he uh, we took both his legs off. So I had the privilege of knowing him, and he gave me a little card that I treasure today that says to Joseph William Nussbaumer Hospital in San Diego Naval Hospital and signed at Fleet Admiral uh, Chester Nimitz, United States Navy. So I really treasure that, and it made a you know, connection between my dad and, and uh, him and me. That was just one incident that happened. However, my dad moved from one place to the other. When I was born in Naval Hospital in San Diego, I mean in the Virginia, I moved three days later. My mother moved me, of course, to San Diego, California, where 14 months later my brother was born. And he was born in Naval, uh, Naval uh, in San Diego, California. And to make a long story short, there were seven siblings, and they were all born in a different place. Well, in the process of getting school-aged, I was moved every six months, it seemed like, from one state, one country, one place to another. And I come to the place where I didn't care anymore. I, I tried hard to, to learn, and I just uh, was discouraged because just about the time I liked the teacher or the kids were around me, up we'd go. We were gone. And if we'd go north, we were called Southerners, and we came South, we were called Yankees back in those days, and those days were days of integration and segregation, I say, and things like that. So we've been through a lot, and <clears throat> I didn't get an education. I quit school in the eighth grade at uh, a place called Howard, Howard Junior High School in, Nor- in Orlando. I was 16 years old when I quit because I'd spent two years in sixth grade trying to catch up, which was pretty rough. And uh, after uh, um, I got saved, of course, which I'll tell you about, uh, it's amazing that the homeroom that I had in, in Howard Junior High School where I quit 
was when I went back to got certified to teach. I went back, and the first place in the world I went back to teach was that very homeroom mm-hmm. that yeah. I quit from wow. in uh, Howard Junior High in Orlando. So little things like that follow me through life. Then after that, uh, I quit school in Howard Junior High School. I worked a few places in Orlando as a teenager. I was a pretty good guy. I stole from everybody I worked for. I was a gang leader in Orlando. I uh, uh, would fight, and I was there's a Watts Pharmacy out at Watts Pharmacy that was out there, and I and Webb Watts to this day in his 80s, and he's still a good friend of mine. He was a pharmacist. His dad owned a pharmacy at that time, and I took out. I took on by myself. Another gang caught me there at his his drugstore, and he was given. They were giving Pop a hard time, and uh, Pop was the, the the father. I didn't want them messing with Pop, and uh, I told him to leave the leave the store, and they didn't want to leave the store. And so I said, "Well, I'll have to make you leave the store." And I was 17 years old, and uh, there was 12 of them. Huh. And so I grabbed the leader by the neck and drug him out of the store and threw him up against the pole. And next thing I know, they were trying to get all over me. I put two of them in the hospital with broken backs. The ambulance came, picked them up. And uh, uh, Webb said, he says, I think you better leave for a while. I'll tell them what happened and how you try to save things. But they might lock you up because you did more damage than all 12 of them. So I left and they, uh, they told what happened and nothing ever happened to me. And uh, so uh, the gang war stopped around there. They didn't ever come back anymore, of course, and they got a little quieter. We joined the Navy. Back in those days, they would take a live body as long as you could breathe. Mm-hmm. Way back there, they would take in the 50s, they would take a live body. And uh, if you could spell your name and stick out your tongue and go, uh, you know, you could probably get in the service. Well, that plus my dad was a retired naval officer, helped a little bit, and I joined to run away from home because my father was very abusive. Um, I still have a scar placed on my leg where he kicked me and almost broke my leg. Um, he would be the type of person that would call you Doomkopf in German all the time. That means dummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after he slaps you upside the head, steps on your foot, knocks you down, laughs at you and things like that, coming home drunk, you know, you, that's the kind of environment I've been in. Beat up my sisters and slap them around in front of their schools and all that. Uh, I say that just to let you know that, that, that there's a real important thing for us. Someday we've got to grow up. We can't blame our parents for what happens to us. Someday there's got to be a point where we grow up, get rid of all the garbage in the back, like Sarge did over there, and get, get rid of it and grow up and be the person God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. After I uh, joined the Navy, he put me in a hole of a ship and told me, I asked him, why am I down here? And they said, we put all stupid people down here. With, <laughs> and uh, I was down there with another guy, and, and uh, we were chipping paint and, and with a wire brush and painting over it with lead paint and all that stuff. And it was hot, 140 degrees down there, and they had four decks up, and boats of made had to come every 15 minutes and holler at us, see if we were still alive, I guess. And uh, I got down there, and I, I, didn't, I didn't belong here. See, my daddy was a commanding officer of a couple of bases, and I used to ride around in a Jeep with a star on it, you know, and they'd all salute me when I was a little kid. And I says, I don't belong. I should be the captain of the ship. Well, of course, I didn't have an education. I couldn't spell. I, I didn't know my multiplication tables. I was just, I was illiterate. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> I said to the boats when he came, hey, boats, I says, what am I doing down here? And he says, uh, we put all stupid people down there. And the guy next to me said, if you call me stupid, man, I'd punch him out. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I didn't say anything to him. Incidentally, he spent the next four years down there. But I come, he come back again. I said, hey, Boats, how do you get out of here? And he says, you get an education, Nuss Bomber. And I said, uh, okay. When he came back next time, where do I get an education? He said, yeah. He did like that, you know. And, and uh, 
didn't say anything. Well, the next day, I'm back down there chipping paint again, and the chief corpsman on the ship comes up, and he, uh, the medical person is a corpsman, and he said, Nussbaum, right here, you want to get an education? I said, yes, sir. He's good. I'll take a shower, put your whites on, and come back up to sick bay. I, I was a little sick, but it was a little bitty room, not as big as this room, and, and uh, so I did that, and he says, I'm going to teach you what an education will do for you. I don't know what he saw in me, but he, you know, he saw something. So he opens this book, this medical book, and I look at that, it says coronary thrombosis. I couldn't even spell it. I could hardly say it. And I looked at that, and I said, oh, I'm not going to last long in this sick bay. He says, uh, what do you want for lunch? And I said, well, let's see. I want pheasant under glass, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy, and milk that's real, not powdered milk. They serve you back in the bottom of the ship where we were at. And he says, Okay. He says, uh, what do you really want? I says, well, I want a, like a steak and mashed potatoes, gravy, and yellow squash and real milk. And he says, okay. And the steward was there taking the order. And he left. And about 30, 40 minutes later, he comes back, and he opens this tray on our desk there. And, and uh, puts he switched the trays. I'll never forget that. And he put this tray over, and I opened up the stainless steel thing. And lo and behold, there's a steak on a T-bone steak, mashed potatoes, gravy, yellow squash, and real milk. And he looked at me, and he said, that's what an education will do for you. Mm. And I never mm. forgot that. First time in my life I could equate what education right. will do for you. And who ate the steak? Oh, I did. Oh, okay. Of course I did. And I stayed in that sick bay for the rest of the cruise, I'm telling you. <laughs> the cruise. Eating good because cruise. <laughs> the chief and the captain were like this. The chief uh, a petty officer, he was him, the captain, me and medical officer, uh, highest medical rated officer on the, on the ship, and the captain like that. And he says, we'll eat at least every day. You tell me what you want and we'll get it. And, uh, of course, it started a problem with the guys down in what I call the hole where we live. What did you get today? And I, stupid, I, t- I tell them, and they got jealous, you know, and that caused a little problem, but I had to work out of that. But anyway, I said, boy, that's great. But make a long story short, he talked me into going to core school when I went uh, to San Diego. Went out to San Diego to core school, and uh, after I went regular Navy, went to San Diego. And lo and behold, uh, I went to take an administrative test because you have to have such a score to get into medical school in the, in the, in the Navy at that time because we, we, we were the only ones that had a medical school. The Air Force didn't have one. Army didn't have one. We were the only one. And, boy, that was top-notch school, okay? My wife's an RN, and I can tell you, after all these years, and I sat down with her night after night, and everything she was doing was minor stuff except for medic, medications that got a lot of wine for me at the time. But uh, she never gave a shot. She never sewed anybody up. She never did anything. So I could remove your appendix right now, what they taught me in school 50 years ago. So anyway, I'm walking across the grinder, they call it, the big field to, uh, from the administrative office. And lo and behold, this is months later. This chief comes walking the other way, and he says, hey, Nuss Palmer, he says, uh, you going to med school? course school and I says no I says I, 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 I couldn't pass the test I studied I did everything you told me I just couldn't pass the test I'm three points too shy of going to the school uh, I I, uh, I said I was three points short he says you tell your CO that send you back at uh, three o'clock and check your grade again I think they probably made a mistake <laughs> I went back <laughs> I went back at three o'clock and the administrator when I walked in says you're going to school that's all she said you're going to school and I says, what school? <laughs> of course school. And I says, how'd that happen? <laughs> I ain't saying how it happened. You're going to school. <laughs> Sent me to school. Now, you got to remember, uh, my father kept me from learning, but it wasn't because I couldn't learn. 
I, I mean, I had ability to learn because I was learning things. I did algebra in the sixth grade just because I was interested in it in one school, and I was finding the ship or the submarine or whatever it was, you know, it was on the thing before the ki- other kids did. I had the ability, but I never had the chance to really get involved in it. So I went to school, and uh, long story short, it was hard, rough. There was 40 people that started, 30 of us finished, okay? And I thought I was always number 30 because I thought I'd, you had to have a grade of uh, – of uh, uh, what was it, uh, 71. You had to have a passing grade of 71. Uh, and there was two grades they gave you. They did the practical with the administrative, you know. So I was desperately bought colored pencils. I drew all the parts of the body. I was a good artist, and I put the name on it, and I phonically put it out so I could understand what it was. And I, fortunately, they had what you call multiple choice back in those days. You didn't have to write an essay. You had to identify the bones and everything like that. And so I, uh, <clears throat> I did pretty good, but not too good on that part. But on the practicum part, they were really amazed at what I do. We do an autopsy, and I could name the organs again, and I can tell you where to slice it, and I could tell you why we were slicing it, and all this and and where the other people really didn't want to be there in our autopsy room to begin with didn't bother me a bit see and so of course i graduated and i found out 25 30 years later that i made an 89 on that course and uh i wasn't the lowest grade in the class so i i went i put on a caduceus which is on this hat right here and uh and they made me a corpsman and uh i loved it and i went with the marine corps fmf marine corps and I served uh, uh, the Marine Corps, uh, loved it because they respect their corpsmen. Uh, anytime anybody out there wants to go in the military and they want to go someplace where you've got a good life, it's uh, go medical with the United States Navy and get attached to those ground boys in the Marine Corps and they'll treat you like a king and protect you and everything else is a great, great thing. So I got to wear both uniforms. <clears throat> well, while I was doing that and realized I got there, my first success in education, I was so proud. I said, I'm going to get more education. And uh, so I'd, I'd study, you know, I'd, I'd memorize a little of this, memorize a little that, and I learned what coronary thrombosis was, of course, you know, and, and, and even how to spell it. And, and uh, I was struggling. Well, they'd ship me overseas with the Marines to Okinawa. And while I was in Okinawa, it was an interesting situation because I had heard a Baptist preacher in Hawthorne, Florida, when I was a kid, they picked you up in a car. Somebody, your neighbors wouldn't take you to church. He said, uh, if you don't know Jesus, you've got one foot in hell and the other in a banana peel. And so one night I was going out to get drunk with the guys because I'd, we'd had this little game we played. They'd come into barracks at night drunk or whatever, and they challenged me to whip them all. So I'd take about 12 or 15 of them and throw them in trash cans or over to things like that. And then when I was so tired I couldn't do it anymore, I said, that's it, guys, I'm finished. You know. And, and they were all friends, and we'd have a ball doing that because we were with a unit called Recon, which is a bad unit. They go out to kill people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went out to get drunk at night, and, and uh, this is the part, I think, that if you're listening you need to listen to it all because we had a typhoon and the typhoon blew all our Quonset huts all over the place and my Quonset hut stayed there but the bathrooms between the Quonset hut there was a square building part between two Quonset huts that typhoon just sucked it off and blew it away we were sitting there at night taking dish rags and holding in a little vents and it'd suck it right out during that typhoon it was pretty bad I understand they just had a real bad one the other day we went through that typhoon, and uh, the next day, uh, I went to bed uh, for a few minutes, and I said, well, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get drunk, and I told the old man, when I come back, we'll see how many of these guys I can whip, and we'll, we'll see what I do when I'm drunk. 
So I was headed out the gate, and you got to picture this. It's a wide tarmac. It's it's probably about the size of a highway out there. The roads are coming up to the church here, or where the church at uh, real life. And uh, and in the middle of it's a little guard shack where the Marines stand and flags in and flags out. Okay, wide road. Okay, and as I was walking out to the left was a Quonset Chapel that the Marines built a rock formation on the front of it entrance for it and put a little cross on top of that a little gold color cross on top of that and there was a light shining off of the ground on that cross i looked over to the left it was probably 50 feet away or so a little bit better and i saw this little creek running between me and the church or the church and me and uh i saw that creek and and i saw that light and i i stood there and uh I, uh, excuse me, I stood there and I said, I got an angel on the shoulder and the devil on that one, and uh, I'm going to listen to both of them, because I was a psychiatric corpsman, and I thought I had it all together, and I says, I remember that sermon, and I remember that song that they sung for an invitation that night, Love Lifted Me, I was sinking. At, uh, in a, at far away from a, a peaceful shore and love lifted me I'm not a very good singer so I won't sing it tonight you'll be thankful Thank for that <laughs> and uh, I stood there and uh, I had a choice to go out that broad gate or take that little narrow path that went across that creek around to the front of that chapel and uh, go in there and see where God was at mm. and uh, I did I took that first step and I went across that path and across that little Jordan River, I call it today, and I went into the chapel and I looked in there and I had this feeling that somebody was there. And so I didn't want anybody to see me, you know, because it was third-class corpsman and what am I doing in the chapel that night because people have religion, have a crutch for whatever. And I, I, I didn't see anybody, so I went out of it and I walked all the way around and nobody was there. The only person out there tonight was that guard on that gate. And so I went in the back where the chaplains had their offices and knocked on the doors and nobody was there. And so I come back in there. I got that feeling again. And uh, I says, I'm going to analyze this. I got to analyze this. Is, this is too much. And so I, I stood from that altar and I looked at that gold cross on the altar there and I says, uh, God, if that's you this year tonight, I want to know you. Because if you don't prove yourself to me tonight, Basically, I said, to hell with you. Mm. I just I couldn't get rid of that feeling. Just, I mean, I learned to kill people, learned to patch them up, wasn't afraid of anything. And here I was standing there in front of a cross. I searched for the Lord over the years through different religions. I was brought up Catholic, and I went to different churches, and I went to prayer meetings, and I was at that little Baptist church that night when I heard the gospel preached, and I just, uh, I was so confused about that. I says, Lord, you have to prove yourself to me. So I got down on my knees and I started confessing my sins. <laughs> and being an ex-Catholic as I am, if anybody's listening that's Catholic, you spent a long time, if you're honest, confessing your sins. I got to thinking after about five minutes, I could be here all night <laughs> 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 confessing my sins. And uh, I said, Lord, just forgive me of all of them. Mm -hmm. And just prove to me that you're real. 
Now, I'd been out with the Marines a lot of times with packs on my back, carrying extra medical kit, equipment, and marching 71 miles, force marches, and getting ready for war, and getting shot at. And, and, and I know what it's like to be uh, feel burdened with all that weight. But I, I, while I was on my knees, tears, and they told my dad told me a good sailor doesn't cry, and, and I, was, I went through life without crying, really, until I got saved. I felt the tears coming down my face, and I looked at that little velvet on that uh, platform there and where I was kneeling, and, and there was about the size of a half a dollar, and you know, that's a lot of tears to make a half a dollar size and, mm-hmm. and cloth like that in that little velvet uh, red. And uh, I says, God, I don't know what's happening to me, but um, I know it's good. And uh, I want you to know right now that every tear is a thousand thanks. Because I felt that burden. I felt that weight. I felt that, I didn't know at the time, but I felt that sin, guilt, everything leave me. The doubt and everything. And I don't usually do this, but I think Sarge over there praying. But the Holy Spirit to work me over, so keep praying, Sarge. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. You're a, you're amongst family here. That's right. Amen. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> Amen. I uh, <laughs> I uh, I just stayed there for a while and uh, just soaked it up and and uh, I says, uh, okay, <laughs> enough of this, Lord. I says, I don't know what happened here, but I know I'm talking to you, and you made it happen. So I know it wasn't somebody else. It wasn't psychological. There wasn't anybody talking to me or anything. It was you, and, 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 and I just believe that something happened to me tonight. And so I got walking out to the, back out of the chapel, and as soon as I got to the door, I said, now what's to keep me from going out to get drunk? And just First lesson to learn about Satan. He's waiting for you no right, matter where you're at or who you are. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay, Lord. And I didn't know the Bible that well. I didn't know any scriptures. I didn't even know Psalms. And I said, okay, Lord. I said, now what's to keep me from going out and getting drunk? And all of a sudden, I felt like, well, if I don't go back and go to bed, I'm not going to make it. I'm exhausted, totally exhausted. And I didn't realize it then, but God answered my prayer. It made me feel tired. So I went back to the barracks, defuddled as it was in the typhoon, and I lay down, and I went to sleep. And I'll tell you, I can remember another time I ever had a sleep like that. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, I woke up, and I have a flap over our window, but it was open because of that day where the typhoon went. And every bird on that island, it seemed like, had decided to come and chirp it at my window. <laughs> Just, it was fantastic. And then to put a plug in for the, Navig- uh, for the uh, Gideons, every sailor that graduated from boot camp, the, the Gideons gave him a little pocket Bible, a right. little military I've Bible. Them. I've seen them. And I had that in my trunk. And uh, so I got up feeling great, and I saw the birds, and it was just absolutely fantastic. And uh, just you can't explain it when you don't know what's going on, but mm-hmm. something good was happening to me. So I grabbed that little Bible, and as soon as I opened it, it was just like, I got to get this, I got to get this, I got to get this, I got to understand this. And so I had this obsession to uh, to learn the Word of God, and and uh, God gave me that, and uh, so I, that's what I did. I started studying the Word, and 
And uh, we were in a bad, I mean, a mean outfit. These guys would cut your throat just looking at you if they had to, if they wanted to. And so that was the, that was the attitude of them. I mean, it was a pretty rough outfit. And uh, lo and behold, a couple of days later, I'm laying in my rack in my bed. And when it's Quonset Hunt, you got a picture of that now. And down at the other end is a door. And the uh, officer of the day, one of us always had the officer of the day. We had to stand guard in there because we were all medical personnel. And we had a couple Marines with us. And uh, the, the officer today was second-class corpsman. He came in there, and he says, come on in here, Watts. I'll find a place for you. And this long, tall, skinny, ugly guy from North Carolina named John Watts comes walking through the door. He was third-class corpsman also. And he says, you can have this bunk right here, Watts. And that was way down at the other end. And he started taking Bibles out of a sea bag and laying them on his bed. Mm-hmm. I says, oh, no, one of those fanatical, holy roller-type people. <laughs> a born-again Christian. And, Look at that. <laughs> and here he comes, and he's coming to our barracks, and this ought to be interesting, you know. And took his teeth out and stuck him in a glass of water. I said, Lord, this is getting worse. I says, Lord, and this is a God's honest truth. I said, Lord, you got to get rid of him. you got to get him out of here. I know I'm a new Christian, and I've been reading your word, and I prayed for somebody to come and help me, but that guy, I mean, no, not that guy. He ain't it. And uh, here comes the officer today, second class, comes in there and says, I'll tell you what, Nuss Bomber's the only one that's got a double rack down there. You take the bottom or top, whichever one you want. And he picked up his stuff and took the top rack right there with me. And I, I said, Lord, you ain't got a sense of humor, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and so I made a lifelong friend who just passed away a couple of years ago now, and uh, we prayed. He taught me to pray. John did. Uh, we prayed for our ship to turn around when we knew we were going to war uh, on a little uh, country that uh, people don't know about. There was a lot of things we did that people didn't know about, but we knew that it was real because they didn't give you all the morphine and everything in your medical bags and all your surgical equipment and your medical bags unless there was really something going to happen. They just give you stuff to patch up Band-Aid and stuff like that because anybody got hurt, they'd bring them back to the ship or fix them with a ship's crew instead of us corpsmen doing it out there in combat area for playing games or something. So he prayed, and uh, we, he says, uh, I don't think I want to go to war. And I says, I, I tell you what, we're going someplace, and they're going to shoot at us. And he says, no, they're not. And I says, what do you mean? He says, come back here. And we went down in the, by our bed, and we knelt. And he, he said, Lord, turn this thing around at 12 o'clock. we got to go home. We don't need to go to war. I said, this guy's a real idiot. I mean, class ain't number one idiot. He's going to tell God what to do. You know, and, uh, <laughs> but God had a lesson for me. Every time there was a lesson for me. Twelve o'clock, the old man came on the speaker and says, okay, relax, guys, we're going home. And we all went back to Okinawa. Mm. And uh, I'll never forget that as long as I live. And <laughs> so um, the, Lord, um, the Lord was a real good to me. Eighty-some uh, of the, the guys in my outfit, because of John and I, come to know Christ as their Savior. Amen. We used wow. to walk. The Marines and the Navy couldn't bring their uh, adult, uh, their wives and children there, but the Army and Air Force good. So Okinawa was full of, uh, ba- uh, what do you call it when the homes, the, the homes are all there. We call it here the same thing. Where the, They have a lot of homes with people that are living in them. Neighborhoods? Neighborhoods, that's good enough. Neighborhoods. But all, we would come from Naha uh, Baptist Church. That was the biggest and the best church in that island. We'd come from that, and we'd get off the bus, and we'd walk through these neighborhoods where the Air Force and the Army guys were with their family. 
And every Saturday night, we'd come from Youth for Christ, too. You know, we'd come through there, and we'd be singing about 40 or 50 of us, How Great Thou Art, or something like that. And uh, just, you know, we'd just, just sing. Somebody start, we'd sing. And the longer we went that year, the more people were sitting out there with their uh, chairs to listen to us as we went by. So uh, we kind of turned the island upside down and had a lot of fun there, a lot of stories I could tell you to make you cry and laugh. But God was good, and he's still good. And uh, so uh, that was that's when I got saved. And so I came home um, and uh, uh, got married. I didn't want to, but I did. That's the way these women are. They get you to do things you don't want to do. But anyway, uh, I dated a young lady from Arizona. She was third place runner up in Miss America. I dated uh, Miss Orlando, who lived down the street from me. Uh, and I can mention her name if she's ever listening, Judy. Uh, she was uh, or Miss Orlando at the time. So I was, you know, kind of a Romeo without getting in trouble, without getting involved. And uh, with in a in a in a more immoral way, I was able to you know to conduct myself properly, and uh, finally I uh, met a gal that uh, I had no desire to marry, and she was a good cook because when I got saved, I prayed that the Lord would give me a Southern girl who was a good cook and that she was innocent, and uh, she had all three of those qualities, and before I knew it. Uh, I, she told me the first guy I kiss is a guy I marry, and so one night I stayed while we were going to college together, came home. She sat in my driveway, and I said, if you're there more than five minutes, I'm going to kiss you, because I know she'd never been kissed, and uh, so she was there six and a half minutes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I planted one on her, and I didn't know what I'd just done, but I said, why did you let me do that? She said, the Lord said, you're going to marry me, <laughs> and that was 49 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> and I've been stuck with her. We have four boys, and uh, we've had some uh, trials and tribulations over the years, uh, and doing things. We started a business, South Lake Electric. I went ahead and uh, got a degree, and uh, as I said, I taught at the uh, Howard Junior High School, the first place I, I left, the last left you know when I quit school it was the first place I taught then I went out to, to uh, Colonial High School and taught out there and uh, for a while and then I went to work at the Martin Company at 50 cents an hour which wasn't too smart but I went and did that and then that prepared me for an opportunity to work at the Space Center I was privileged to put three sets of astronauts up around the moon or on the moon while I was over there in the three wow. years that I worked at the Space Center I uh, had excellent working conditions did got a Accommodations and uh, help build the crawler system and stuff like that. And uh, it was just some things you go through life, you don't know what you're doing, you know, how important it is or how much of history it is. And mm -hmm. so I was able to be involved in those things. And then uh, I had been preaching around and going to Bible studies. I always told the Lord, I want to go to Youth for Christ and work with Youth for Christ because it was a great organization. Or I want to be a Sunday school teacher in some church, you know, or a youth director or something like that, but I didn't want to be a preacher. Well, every time I got up to speak, somebody got saved. And so... Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking, you're going to have to... You're, yeah, I have a request for you in a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> um, uh, somebody got saved, and uh, we I did a youth group out here at Camp Ithiel in Orlando, and there was a hundred and some kids came forward after I gave my testimony. And uh, I stood at Orlando Junior College at the time on the second balcony, and I said, Lord, 
I can't, I'm not qualified to uh, be a preacher. I don't have much of an education. I barely get along. And when I want to study something, it takes me three times longer than anybody else to get what everybody else is getting. I don't want to be a preacher because I've got to be able to speak the king's English and I've got to be able to present it without sticking a finger in my nose or whatever. I just got to do that, and I can't. And I, the Lord spoke to my heart and says, you know, I remember a guy named Moses tried telling me the same thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want. And I held out on him a little bit, and I had $2,000 after I got out of the Navy for college and everything. That was a lot of money back in those days. And um, I says, well, I still got this money, so I can still do what I want to do. I took a trailer for one of my buddies in the Navy up to his place. I wrecked a car in the trailer, and uh, my $2,000 went down the drain. And I says, okay, Lord, I, I give up. And uh, so I went. Every time I had a chance to preach or teach the Bible someplace, I did it. And uh, God has been good. And uh, uh, I've seen a lot of people come to Christ and uh, sat in the corner over there after I became a psychologist and uh, retired from the ministry, really. Um, <clears throat> Um, Sarge came along, and uh, his uh, psychologist, psychologist up in uh, Gainesville called me and told me that, am I sure that I want him? And I said, yeah, I can handle him. I'm an ex-Navy corpsman with psychiatric training and stuff. And I said, I can take care of any Army Air Force guy any day of the week. And so he said, well, let me tell you, I have two orderlies here. Every time he comes to my office, this guy's bad. So I said, you send them. He says, how quick do you want his medical records? I says, whenever you get them here. Here comes this guy walking in my office with a bandana around his head. He's got this sidearm. I think it was a sword or a knife on his side and camouflage clothes and lets me know that he's in charge. I'm not in charge, and I don't know what I'm talking about and all this kind of stuff. And one of the meetings he told me he's going to kill me. Another time he called me up and called me several names that I won't repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was my introduction to Sergeant Decker. And uh, we spent 20-some years almost trying to get this guy straightened out, prayed for him. He came ever so often to the office and to talk to you about something. And we developed really a relationship in that time, you know, mm-hmm. and he quit cussing me and quit threatening me and, and said, you're all right, Doc, you know, stuff like that. And so uh, that happened. But then he was going downhill. He was, uh, he was obsessed with the smoke and he was obsessed with everything else he was doing. He was doing everything that he shouldn't have been doing. And he was down what we call gutter material. He was down at the bottom of the barrel. Everything, I mean, the drugs, he was taking medications. He was... And he'll tell you what he told you with a testimony and all that. And and uh, it got to where his son, nobody could put up with him, and he was the threat to everybody. And uh, so his son called me and says, what can you do for him, Doc? I said, I can lock him up. <laughs> he says, do anything you want. So I wrote a letter and gave it to his son. We called the ambulance, told him to pick him up. And I thought, well, I'm rid of him now, you know. And uh, he went to the VA hospital and was up there for a while. And I get a call. I can't remember exactly how long after he went to the hospital. Doc, I'm coming to see you. Okay. He got out and back with his son. I said, well, you know, I told the Lord I'd watch out for him. And uh, here he comes, bouncing in my office, glowing like a like a, a angel, practically. I got something to tell you, Doc. I says, okay. He set him down, and he just couldn't quit. And he hadn't quit to this day because God got a hold of him and um and took his took his smoking and his drinking and his drugs and the other things he was doing and just took it away from him. Amen. And uh, he, I mean, that, he was bad. He would walk across the street drunk. 
and right in traffic, and and, I, and only God was sparing him because of mm. the situation. But uh, y'all know him better than I do now. Yeah, I might add that he is a leadership now. He had he actually leads a a small group for real men. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord! Not just an attendee and anymore. All right, he's at meetings everywhere. And, then and, he, he, and he loves the Lord. Yes, he does. He's an example of what this Christ did for me. He did for him. Amen, Doc. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening and you're discouraged, and uh, oh, by the way, I cried a little bit here tonight and uh, because I love the Lord and he touched me, but I uh, learned 27 ways to kill a person. I had 62 fights with my gloves on. never lost one of them. Most of them went two rounds. So I'm what the world calls pretty d- bad dude, and uh, but I don't mind crying when it comes to the Lord. It's about the only time I do. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to tell you something. If you might meet my Jesus like I did or Sarge did, he can change your life too. Absolutely. And uh, it'll make a difference. You know, there's something that God's been laying on my heart for quite some time that we've been doing this show, and that is we – are in 30 countries around the world and some people may be hearing for the very first time 31 i was corrected 31 countries around the world now well yeah but someone might be listening for the first time hearing about this jesus and i wondered if you could say a prayer and bring them to salvation I can do that, but if you let me just tell you a second, I told my testimony, but it's simple to get saved because it's paid for. Your salvation is paid for, and anybody who doesn't Amen. understand that isn't saved. Mm. Jesus did it all on that cross. Amen. And all we have to do is confess our sin, that we're a sinner, which I did that night. <laughs> I didn't right. want to spend all night, but that took five minutes at least. And I asked forgiveness of all my sins, and I believe with all my heart, as much as I could believe, which is, I didn't know what to believe, but I was told that, that Jesus was the answer in that sermon that that preacher preached, that redheaded preacher. So I took it by faith that uh, he was real. And I wanted to know him, and I wanted him to be in my life and to change the direction I was going. And and uh, so I asked him to forgive me, and I asked him to come in my heart. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he rose again. That's all I could believe. And, I, and of course, today I don't believe it anymore. I know it. I, I know all that happened. Right. But yeah. you don't know it until you, you give him your heart and you change it because we come by faith for salvation, but the Bible says we can know his voice, we can know him, he can bring us peace, he can bring us joy, and that's what he's done for me, and he's he's answered all my prayers. So if you're out there and you're listening, uh, I would just like you to maybe repeat a prayer I can pray for you, that just uh, ask the Lord to to forgive you for sins, to get rid of your guilt, to free you up, like Sarge says, just to free you up, and uh, come into your life, and maybe you'll sit one day and give a testimony. And I want to end with this before I pray. I'm 75 years old. I know I don't look 50, but I'm still 75 years old. And uh, six weeks ago, I went to the doctor for a sore throat. And uh, after, make a long story short, after for several examinations, I found out I had chronic lymphonic, uh, um, almost get a, uh, what is it, Sarge? Lymphomic? Uh, um, leukemia. leukemia. Thank you, Sarge. I got stuck here, and it's one of the reasons I got stuck. It, it does affect my nasal chamber and everything. And um, <clears throat> I went one week, and he says, you're in stage one. And um, I went the next week, and he said, you're in stage two. And next week, I go back and find out, finally, what his determination of is, is what man thinks that I have to live. 
However, God may take me home, which is all right with me, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, uh, because I know him, I love him, and I believe my Bible, my Bible. And uh, I have a peace and a joy and excitement in my life, and I'm not afraid of anything, and I, it's just good. And uh, uh, But, uh, I, you know, I also believe that God can cure. I've seen him mm-hmm. cure people. I've prayed for people that were blind they saw. i prayed for people that had cancer. They were healed. But it's hard as over there. You prayed for me. And it's I hard prayed, to shout you down I over here, Doc. <laughs> I prayed for the mentally ill over there. <laughs> and the then you prayed story. for me then. Okay. And, uh, and, and uh, you saw this, what happened to Sarge. But um, I know that God can heal anything. And, and since this uh, lymphoma is uh, incurable in man's hands, God can do it. However, whether or not uh, God does, he wants me home is the main way of taking me. It's not that I doubt that he can do it. He can do it if he wants to, okay? And I'm ready for him to do it if he wants to leave me here to pick on Sarge a little longer or somebody. <laughs> but, um, but he can do it. And you can have this peace that passeth all understanding once you go into the promised land of what the Bible says, you enter into his rest. When you learn to trust him in everything, then everything works out all right. But if you don't learn to trust him, you'll be in the wilderness the rest of your life as a Christian, not having that peace and joy. So this prayer can bring you out of that, uh, as Sarge says, the pits, take you out of that pit, set you on solid ground or on the solid rock, I should say. Get you away from being tired. (laughs) Right. And it can take take care of that heart you have and that mind that you have in a very special and wonderful way. So if you're listening and you really want to know him, let me tell you something. Remember I walked into that chapel and I told God to prove himself to me Mm -hmm. or if I was going to forget him? Yep. I'm telling you, after all these years, he's been there. Then he's here now, right now. Look where he's taken you all these years. All these since years, then. amen. And he's done it. Right. And uh, I give him the from credit an for unschooled sixteen-year-old to a doc. You know what he has given you in in Florida with the the ministry and the and the business that you have. Absolutely. Well, it's all him Absolutely. because the world has been against everything I've done except the education. Of course, the courts were against it at first, and all this kind of stuff. But I've I learned a verse in Luke. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and knowledge and in favor with God and man. And God has given me favor because with the court system and all that. And I was able to set a national precedent of confidentiality. It never was set before with Liberty Council on confidentiality. So if you come to me about spiritual problems or any problems and you get my advice, I don't have to tell anybody in court. Anything. That's why the state doesn't like some of the things uh-huh. that we have privileges to do. But God has honored me. Because of mm. my trying to be faithful to him. Right. And, and obedience, so right, Mike, obedience brings the blessing. Absolutely. And, and it pays off a lot more than oh, you sure should ever does. expect. And, and to go back to your time um, in that chapel, I've experienced a couple different times. When something is in that room and you start cry, weeping uncontrollably, God is there. Especially with a guy who thought weeping was a sin in itself. Mm-hmm. Or his father told him, if you cry, you're not a sailor, you know. <laughs> And I wouldn't cry. It'd beat the daylights out of me, and I wouldn't cry. Mm-hmm. So, but that night it just came natural. It didn't, I didn't cry through psych school. I didn't cry through med school. I didn't cry through any of that. Stuff. The presence was there. It was there. Well, I found out who it was. Mm-hmm. Just had to go back in there and find out. But it changed my life, and I'm glad he did. And uh, whether I've got a year, two years, five years, or or 
uh, he's going to give me a 14 more years like he did somebody else in the Bible. I Hezekiah. Hezekiah. And uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but I can I'll, my, uh, and my, if I go to be with the Lord, you come and see me, I'll be preaching Jesus and telling you I'm waiting to see him. And um, well, you've uh, you got a legacy sitting over here by me that's uh, absolutely proclaiming it from the mountaintops. Or any time yes, he gets he a does. he gets a soapbox, he takes the opportunity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't you, Sarge? Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, hey, Jesus got a hold of him and had to let go. <laughs> oh, amen to that. <laughs> All right, Doc. So could you could you uh, do what Trish, Trish asked? Right, I can. Okay, go for it. If you follow this prayer, it'll make it'll change your life forever, I promise you. And he will prove himself to you. Dear Heavenly Father, I heard this tonight, and I want to believe it. I want to believe that you died for my sins because I'm a sinner. I want to believe that you're real, regardless of what anybody else says, because I heard others tell me that you are. I want you to come into my heart and my life and prove yourself to me because I'm going to accept the fact that you died for my sins on Calvary's cross and the third day you rose again to prove that you were God in the flesh. And I ask you to just come into my heart and change my life. Give me the peace that I have not known or do not know. Give me the joy that Doc was speaking about Give me the victories that I need through all the trials and tribulations that I might go through, that I too might one day say that Jesus is real. Save me, Lord, I pray. Save me in Jesus' name, I ask. Amen. 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 I'm going to turn the tables on you, Doc, and put a fleece out there. You know, we're in 31 countries, and uh, we love each and every person that listens to God Stories Radio. And each and every person that hears this podcast, Session 47, I just want you to remember Doc. And I want you to remember this testimony and re- pray God's will. I mean, that is, it's a prayer he has to answer. And there's no reason, or there's no, uh, what's the word I want to say, um, there is a reason why you are listening to this podcast and this prayer that Doc just said. If you took that next step, get in touch with us, godstoriesradio at gmail. Uh, Hit us up on the blog, www.godstoriesradio.com. Get in touch with us. If you have some more questions with Doc, can can they get a hold of you uh, directly, Doc, or can we just get you the information? Well, you can get it to me, or they can uh, call my, I mean, dial me up on my website. I'm at website, but um, email, excuse me. Email, put no three astronauts on the moon, took all the energy I had about electronics. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, go on as, as simple as doc1000, that's 1000, at com. So that's doc1000 at embarkmail.com, and I'll be glad to answer any questions they may have. Fantastic. Well, I was just saying uh, before we started rolling tape that I had put in my calendar here. I wanted to um, give a prayer request for Sandra Alexander for her clean bill of health after she got the call clean from the doctor. Health. She's got her clean bill of health. Amen. So it went Pray. from a prayer report to a praise report. Yes, and praise God. We're hoping for the same thing for you, Doc. Well, the wonderful thing about this is that this is not just uh, – 
a cancer that somebody can cure. Only he can cure it. So if it gets cured and it goes away, which it very easily can do. Yes, it could. He gets all the glory. Ooh, yeah. Amen. Nobody else can get the glory. I can't. The doctors can't. Nobody Mm -hmm. can. Christ gets the glory. Amen. Amen. And if you can't find a cue on your keyboard, send us a... God Stories Radio at Gmail <laughs> or Twitters dot com or or Twitters. Yeah, I've adopted that word. Yeah, really, me too. <laughs> word of the week: Twit at God Stories Radio and also uh, Google Plus. Trish, tell them about yes. Google Plus. You can find us on Google Plus at www.godstoriesradio.com and then God Stories Radio on Facebook. Right, That's Mikey. Right. right, and that new country I just thought of name it Botswana. Botswana. It's, Botswana. It's South, Botswana. South Africa next to Namibia. Oh, fantastic. Well, welcome to can, the program, guys. Can I make a quick request? You sure can, Doc. I taught school over in uh, Colonial. I um, ha- uh, There's a lot of kids over there. I'd like if they happen to be listening. They're all adults now, of course, in their 30s and 40s, uh, 40s at least. Uh, if they do hear this podcast, if we get a hold of y'all and let you know they heard it. Uh, my prayers are still for a lot of them that I witnessed to back in those okay. days when I was so teaching school Amen. in Colonial. So if there are any of my students in, in Lake County or Orange County or wherever, I just uh, I have call some in. friends that go to Rollins College because that's where I go, and they all are from that area and listen. So some of them, I, I can think of a student right off the top of my head that went actually. So, so And God told her she's going to be a judge. Really? Yeah, yes. and I dropped out after three months of ninth grade. So you're in good company, brother. You just didn't even know it. All right, Sarge can't stand it any longer. Here he is. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's Sarge. I just wanted to say Doc shared uh, Chapter 6 in Galatians and being not weary and well-doing. And you want to say that, Doc? 6-9? Yep. Be ye not weary and well-doing, for in due season you shall reap, if you faint not. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> there you have it. Sarge. Oh, Sarge. He's here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. I wish I had a, a legacy like that. Well, I, you know. You will. I will. You will. I want to have somebody following me around. Arbery, Aubrey Faith. Hum, hello. Oh, yeah. Okay. You there's, got, there's always that. You got me on that one. <laughs> yes, you did. Hallelujah. All right. Well, that was session 47. Yes, it was. I'm. Oh, man. I'm just tickled, Doc. Thank you for coming. Yes, yeah. Doc. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank to you, the listeners, for hanging out with us this hour. And I'm almost pretty sure that it was totally worth it. I think so, too. Your time. Absolutely. I know I'm going to listen back several times. So oh, I know you are, too. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> www.godstoriesradio.com, Twitter, Facebook, godstoriesradio at Gmail. Just send a hello. Let us know you're listening. Encourage us. Encour- encourage us and encourage Doc and be praying for Doc and... We're looking forward to giving a report, a positive report. Amen. Here in the near future. So that wraps it up for session 47. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless. So speak life, speak life to the deadest, darkest night. Speak life, speak life when the sun will shine and you don't know why. Look into the eyes of the broken heart and watch them come alive as soon as you speak.
thoughts just fall apart I do, I don't, I will, I won't It's like I'm drowning in the deep Well it's crazy to imagine Words from my lips as the arms of compassion Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life Perfect. Perfect. 